mention that uh, you can listen to Dr. Yusuf on Premier Christian Radio, 9 o'clock every morning. So uh, if you want to listen to him live on Premier Radio, that's great. And also on TBN, you can watch him, the Freeview channel. So do uh, tune in. And uh, if you're really keen as well, like my wife, there's the Leading the Way app you can download on your phone. And she listens to all these messages as she walks to work every morning and back. My wife's a senior nurse at King George's and Queen's Hospital. Her speciality is diabetes and endocrinology. So if you suffer with anything like that, you may have seen her. Uh, We have three children, mostly grown up, and one grandchild, and also a lodger with us. So so we're a busy family, but um, the Lord has blessed us indeed. Shall we pray, and then we'll begin to look at God's word today. Father, we pray you'd speak to us now by your Holy Spirit. As we prayed, come, Lord Jesus, pour out your Spirit today. So, Lord, open our eyes so that we see, open our ears so that we hear, and, Lord, open our minds to understand and our hearts to respond to your living word in Jesus' name. Amen. So please have your Bibles, if you have Bibles, have them open at Matthew 24. Um, I will be moving around the scriptures as well. I like to reference other parts of the Bible just so that we have a a good view of what is being said. I'd like to begin in chapter 23 actually. Uh, Here we have Jesus fiercely rebuking the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And you have the seven woes, it's entitled. The very end of that uh, chapter, so verse 39, Jesus says to them, For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Where else are those words shouted? There's a question. Where else do you hear those words shouted? (laughs) Not Why? Prior to that. Yeah. Into Jerusalem. Yes, the triumphal entry. So look back at chapter 21 and verse 9. People shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, so Jesus isn't referring to his entrance into Jerusalem when he's speaking in chapter 23. He's actually referring to when he comes again, people will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that then leads us into chapter 24. What I want to do is uh, look at a few scriptures away from Matthew 24, just for a brief moment. So Acts chapter 1, come with me to Acts chapter 1 and uh, verse 8. You'll know verse 8 very well. It reads, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they're the very last words that Jesus spoke. You will be my witnesses. There we go. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the command he gives. You will be my witnesses. And then it says, after he said this, Acts chapter 1 verse 9, He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. 
Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And here's my point. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. There's an angelic promise. This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. That is an angelic promise that is yet to be fulfilled. In Revelation, in Revelation 22, I'm not going to turn to it, Jesus says three times, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, yes I'm coming soon. He says that in Revelation 22. It will happen, it will happen. And it will happen in his timing. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, just one more reference here. Hebrews 9 verse 28 says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he will appear a second time. He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus will come back. He is coming back, whether we're ready or not. <laughs> and uh, in my household with my grandson, we play hide and seek. And you count to a certain number, usually ten, and then you say, ready or not, here I come. Well, it's the same with Jesus. He is coming back, whether we're ready or not. He is going to be coming back. He will appear to bring full salvation to those who are waiting for him. Let's go back to Matthew 24. The problem is today that many people are unprepared. Many people live in ignorance to what is going to happen. So Matthew 24, I just want to read on a bit, verse 37, talks about the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. People know nothing today, unless they've turned to Christ. They are unprepared, they are ignorant, and they will be swept away, just like in the days of Noah. And some in those days ridiculed Noah for building an ark. <laughs> they thought he was ludicrous. It says in 2 Peter 3 that some will come saying, where is his coming that he promised? Where is he today? <clears throat> some will be like that towards us. But many live in ignorance <clears throat> and unprepared for what will happen. So going back to Matthew 24 verse 1. How is this revelation triggered? You know, what Jesus says here. Well, it's by the disciples admiring the temple buildings in verses 1 to 2. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. <coughs> Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And then later, 
the disciples come to him privately on the Mount of Olives and they ask um, him, what, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So that sort of sets the scene for what Jesus says next. Now, Jesus' statement about the temple's destruction undoubtedly surprised the disciples. You know, this was unthinkable for a devout Jew, as it would be for us to imagine the destruction of Buckingham Palace or the Houses of Parliament or St Paul's Cathedral, magnificent buildings as they are, but only much more so here because the temple signified a thousand years of God's dealings with Israel. Such a magnificent building, says Jesus, will be demolished completely one day. And we know that in AD 70, it was demolished by the Romans. We know that for sure. I was very privileged to serve in uh, Haiti a year after the earthquake took place. I was a chaplain with Samaritan's Purse, uh, ministering in the cholera clinics, ministering in, in the communities, sharing the gospel and praying for people. And there in Haiti, after the earthquake, the National Palace in Port-au-Prince was completely destroyed just through that earthquake. And it gives you an idea of the, the power um, just there of, of nature, God in command of nature, but the power of nature demolishing that building. And the same will happen, says Jesus, to all these buildings, these magnificent buildings. And so what he says next is like the weather forecast. Jesus forecasts what to expect. And much of this we read today, we think, well, that's happening now, surely. And it, it very much is. Uh, we've had so many apocalyptic movies, haven't we, in recent times as well, trying to depict what will happen at the end times. Um, it seems to be the, the current sort of flavour. But Jesus gives us signs. And uh, signs are a way of communication, aren't they? So you've got road signs, for instance. They tell us something. Quite often they're warning signs, the triangles. They're warning us of something. And Jesus details climatic things that will happen to signify his imminent return. They're like warnings of what's going to happen. In verse 8, it's likened to a woman. You'll, you'll um, identify with this woman. It's identified, um, it's likened to a woman in the early stages of child labor, signaling that the baby is coming, but not indicating how long the painful wait will be. <laughs> okay, we know Christ is coming. We're not sure how long it's going to be until he does come. It's also like a turbulent flight before arrival on my honeymoon to Cyprus, uh, 26, nearly 27 years ago now. Uh, the, the flight over the Trudos Mountains was very rough and we were literally bouncing up and down in our chairs and people were screaming. It was turbulent and then we touched down and that was it, we'd arrived. And it's almost like that now in the world, we're going through turbulent times before the arrival of Christ again. So in summary here, just in the passage, verses 4 to 8, do not be deceived and alarmed. And then verses 9 to 14, expect persecution and global proclamation. So the disciples ask, how can we tell when you are coming back and the world will come to an end? Well, verses 4 and 5, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. So there will be deceivers who come claiming to be Christ, great pretenders. And even back in that day, in Acts chapter 5, there were a few men mentioned there 
that gathered people around them. Acts 5 and verse 36 uh, says, Some time ago, Thudas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him, and he was killed, and all his followers dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. So even back then, people gathered around someone someone who was sort of magnetic in their character, maybe claiming to be um, like Christ. Even today, do you remember David Icke, the conspiracy theorist? He still claims to be the son of God, <laughs> which I find quite remarkable. Do not fall for what Satan does best, and that is mislead people. Even back in Genesis 3, the, uh, Eve said that the serpent deceived her. Even then, right back in the garden, the serpent deceived her and continues to deceive many. Do not be deceived by Satan. So there will be deceivers claiming to be Christ. Verses 6 to 7, there will be conflicts and disasters. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. Well, we see so much of that happening around the world. There are conflicts and disasters, fires, floods, famines, everything. And it seems to be intensifying year on year. How many armed conflicts are, are there in the world at the moment? I was staggered by this. Have a guess. How many armed conflicts are there in the world at the moment? Any guess? Nope. Way higher. 110 armed conflicts in the world at the moment. We only hear about a few on the news. 45 in the Middle East and North Africa. 35 or more in Africa alone. 21 in Asia. 7 in Europe and 6 in Latin America. 110 armed conflicts happening at the moment. Earthquakes. Frequently earthquakes happen, frequently earthquakes are mentioned in Revelation with connection to the end times. So Jesus says, do not be alarmed by all this. Do not be alarmed. And then there will be persecution. Verses 9 to 13, let's read these verses. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold but he who stands firm to the end will be saved so there will be persecution towards believers resulting in rejection betrayal deception and lovelessness we see all that in the the passage here and lovelessness will be because of the increase in wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. It's because of the increase in wickedness. And what do we see happening? A sharp decline in morality today. And this is what uh, Paul writes in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, if you want to come with me. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4. Godlessness in the last days. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, 
boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God. Wow. All of that we see today. The decline in morality. But then uh, Paul does then write to Timothy, um, just in verse 12 of the same passage. He says, uh, but as for you, continue in what you've learnt. And just before that, trying to find it. Yeah, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're living that godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. And uh, we know that light and truth opposes and exposes darkness and lies. And that's why people are persecuted believers all around the world. Just uh, reading Open Doors, for instance. Uh, You can be praying for believers who are facing severe persecution around the world. It's a daily reality. So these terrors and torments precede his second coming. But uh, Jesus says, stand firm to the end. Stand firm to the end. Do not be shaken, in other words, by all of this. And then verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Well, leading the way is part of that. Leading the way is part of proclaiming the gospel to all nations across the radio and television channels, in person, through these little devices that I showed you earlier, there will be global proclamation and then the end will come. And only when the church has completed its worldwide duty of preaching the gospel to all nations, Gentiles included, will Jesus come. So let's not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. So Jesus says, just summing up here in these verses, do not be deceived. Do not be alarmed, do not be shaken, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Just as we kind of think about the end times and Jesus coming again, it will be loud and unmistakable. (laughs) It will be loud and unmistakable. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 uh, says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, which frightens me somewhat because I'm not great with heights. But anyway, we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and I'm sure we'll have the strength to do that. And so we will live with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So, he will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. It will be loud and unmistakable. Going back to Matthew chapter 24, just in verse 27, it says, And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens uh, to the other. And uh, it says also uh, in verse 27, For as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It will be for all to see. So what does Jesus say we should do? Well, we're to keep watch and to be ready. Verse 42 of Matthew 24. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on that day when your Lord will come. And then also 
verse 44. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And Jesus goes on in chapter 25 about the parable of the ten virgins, the five who were prepared, the five who were unprepared. So he illustrates that in the parable. So how should we live? Okay, four points here, just very quickly. How should we live? We should live waiting for Jesus. That's the first point. Live waiting for Jesus with that awareness and and anticipation of his glorious appearance. We should live wisely for Jesus, live holy and godly lives as you look forward to that day. We should live working for Jesus, not sitting around gazing up at the sky, wondering when he's going to come. Yeah. (laughs) The whole idea of the parable of the talents is that we put to use the talents and the gifts that we have for Jesus right now. Live working for Jesus. And finally, we should live witnessing for Jesus, showing and sharing the hope that we have with people. So there's four practical points to take away this morning. Live waiting for Jesus, live wisely for Jesus, holy and godly lives, live working for Jesus, and live witnessing for Jesus. We know that he's coming back, whether you and I are ready or not. He will be coming back. That's an angelic promise, as we saw earlier in the scriptures. The question is, are you prepared? Are you prepared for him returning? Let me just read some words that uh, I saw the other day and thought, I must share this because here's the warning. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 to and to 9. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, he will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. There's the warning. Are we prepared for him coming again? Have we turned to Christ for forgiveness and peace with God? and the assurance of heaven. You see, with Christ, you have endless hope. Without Christ, you have a hopeless end. With Christ, you have endless hope. Without Christ, you have a hopeless end, as I just read there in 2 Thessalonians. But Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him. We read that. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, if you have not done that, call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And then some words for those of us who are believers, just from James, one of my favourite books of the Bible, as we close out this morning. James 5, verses 7 to 8. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. Let's be standing firm. Shall we pray? Father, help us to digest your word. We've heard so much from your word. We pray that you would feed our souls. And that, Lord, if we're not sure of our salvation, 
we would turn to you in repentance and faith and that you would encourage us as well today to live waiting for you, to live wisely for you, to live working for you and to live witnessing for you as we await your coming, your promised coming again. In Jesus' name. Amen.